I'd like to thank KTMS 990 and Montecito Bank and Trust for making Scam Squad possible. I'm Patty Teal. And I'm Deputy District Attorney Vicki Johnson. Scam Squad is up next. Sound off. One, two. Sound off. Three, four. One, two, three, four. Scam Squad. Welcome to Scam Squad. I'm Patty Teal, your host here as always with Deputy District Attorney Vicki Johnson. And we have one of our most knowledgeable and fun guests back with us, don't we, Vicki? Absolutely. We're very happy to welcome back Judy Christman Yates, criminologist who produces this wonderful financial exploitation newsletter. I get a lot of information and material from this newsletter, which she gathers every month and puts together, often highlighting some of the latest things that are going on in the scam world. One article particularly caught my eye, and this actually came from the November 2022 newsletter. Sometimes I'm a little behind in using some of this information. And the title is, What to Do If You Were Scammed? Now, this is something that I run into all the time when I talk to victims who have been scammed and they call frantic. And I know that feeling when you have been scammed and your heart starts beating and your brain shuts down and you think to yourself, what in the world do I do now? What do I do? And it's a very panicky feeling. So I thought this newsletter was very timely and important for all of us to know. So welcome, Judy. And the first question I'm going to ask you is, what should you do if you paid a scammer by credit card or debit card, or there was an unauthorized transfer from your bank account? And this does happen. Well, Vicki and Patty, thank you so much for having me back on Scam Squad. It's always a pleasure. If you paid a scammer with a credit card or a debit card, or your bank did an unauthorized wire transfer from your account, what you're going to do is just simply contact that specific financial institution and tell them that it was a fraudulent transaction and ask them to please reverse the transaction and give you back your money. Sounds easy enough. And I'm assuming that when you contact the bank, you should probably use the phone number on your credit card or on your credit card statement and not a phone number that you may have gotten from a scammer. You are so right. And we've been told that you're safer or you're more likely to get that refund if you use a credit card rather than a debit card. Is that true? That is true. Uh, Credit cards have far more protection than debit cards. Thank you. And I also know from my experience working with people who have been in this situation that sometimes banks will put you through a little bit of a process. You sort of have to fill out forms and prove to them that you weren't the person making that charge. It can be a frustrating process, and sometimes you just have to keep at it to make sure that the bank gets the message and gets the information that they need. The answers to today's questions sound pretty simple and straightforward, but you have to prove you're a victim. You have to have done your due diligence, and so it's not quite as easy as some of the answers that we're giving, but these are the steps that you take to try to resolve the issues. Absolutely, what you have to do right away. So what if you were a victim and you paid by gift card? And we know this happens all the time. What do you do then? Well, first of all, that's a red flag. If they ask you to pay by gift card, it's always a red flag. No legitimate agency or company asks that you pay by gift card. But if you happen to do that, the gift cards are probably iTunes from Apple, Amazon, Walmart, Google, and of course, there are many others. 
And what you will do is contact that company that was issued that gift card and ask them to refund your money. It's a good idea to keep your receipt and that card until you get this resolved once and for all. It can take a while. It can take a while. And again, it's not a guarantee. This is what you absolutely should do. And the sooner you do it, the better. The situations that I've been involved with, if the victim acts immediately, as soon as they know that they have been scammed, sometimes the gift card company, the company issuing that gift card can stop the transaction. But if you don't act quickly, one of the reasons scammers love gift cards is that they can take the money off very, very quickly, and then there's very little recourse. So again, as Judy said, beware if anybody asks you to pay by gift card. Okay, but what if you sent a wire transfer to the scammer? In other words, they requested that you send them money by MoneyGram or Western Union. What do you do then? Well, in that case, then you contact MoneyGram or Western Union, tell them it's fraudulent, and you want your money back. Ask them to reverse that. And again, the sooner you do that, the better your luck might be in terms of actually getting your money back. You've reported so often that Western Union had to pay out big time for the people that were scammed from using Western Union because they didn't check carefully enough. So I wonder if they're bending over backwards to be careful about those things now. I would certainly hope so. And given the kind of money that they've had to pay out in restitution, I would suspect that they're being very careful and maybe perhaps more willing to honor a request from somebody who tells them that they have been scammed. Let's hope so. So Judy, what if you sent a wire transfer from the bank because the scammer asked you to send money that way? Okay. This one is different than the unauthorized wire transfer. However, the steps you're going to take are the same. You're going to contact the bank, you're going to report that it was fraudulent, and ask them to reverse the transfer and give you your money back. And if you sent money through a money transfer app, and you reference things like Zelle, PayPal, Cash App, Venmo, what then? Well, you're going to do two things. You're going to report that it's a fraudulent transaction to one of those companies that you used, and you're also going to contact the financial institution that you have linked that app to. So it may be a credit card, a debit, you know, whatever it happens to be. So both the app company and your financial institution. Okay. The app company and your financial institution, both of them. And again, the sooner you do that, the better luck you might have. So next... What if you paid the scammer by cryptocurrency? And we know that more scammers these days are asking that payment be by cryptocurrency. Well, anything to do with cryptocurrency is a challenge in the United States because it is a digital currency and it is not backed by the government. So the recourse is limited for sure. Typically, cryptocurrency payments are not reversible, but you can always ask the person back for your money. Good luck with that. But also contact the company you used. So if it was the Bitcoin ATM machine, whatever it happens to be, and ask them to also reverse it. And what if you sent cash? We've had situations like that. Well, requests for cash, it's a very mysterious cloak and dagger request, and it should always be a red flag. There is no legitimate organization that is ever going to ask you to send cash. But if you do that 
and you send it through the mail, then contact the U.S. Postal Inspection Service or any other shipping company that you happen to use and ask them to intercept it. So, boy, you have to be quick to do that one. And we actually had a case that was a very successful case where the elderly woman realized that she had been scammed. And I think she sent her package of cash by FedEx bound up a certain way. They told her to package it. And the more she thought about it, the more she realized, wait a minute, this is a scam. She right away called FedEx. This was probably an hour later. And they were able to stop that money from going through to the recipient. So she was able to get her money back. This one, you have a better chance because if you send it by the U.S. Postal Service or by FedEx, it's going to take a longer time to get to the destination. And chances are those companies can stop that transfer. And I just want to add, if you pay an individual with cash who's selling something, get a receipt from them. I mean, it's kind of obvious, but it brings me back to when I was 16 years old and sold my car and my dad kind of took over the sale and he got a receipt. Well, I didn't know to take the license plates off and they got all kinds of tickets and they issued a warrant for my dad's arrest because he was on the title of my car, but he had all the paperwork. He'd gotten a receipt. So anytime you pay cash or somebody pays you cash, get a receipt. Very, very good advice. So, Judy, now we've had a list of who to contact if we send money to a scammer and want to try and get our money back. But what if you gave the scammer your personal information? And again, I know with victims, this does strike fear in their heart when they call me and tell me, oh my gosh, I can't believe I did this, but I gave the scammer my social security number. What about that? What if you did make that mistake and give the scammer your social security number? Well, if a scammer has your social security number, there are many ramifications. So the simple recommendation is to go to a website called identitytheft.gov. One more time, that's identitytheft.gov. And there you'll be able to report it and they'll give you steps on how you can recover from identity theft because you are likely to be a victim of identity theft. That's true. Once somebody has your social security number, they can do all kinds of damage to your finances and to your credit. So what if you gave the scammer your username and password, maybe thinking you were talking to a governmental agency? Well, immediately change your password and or your username, and then you're going to make a new password. It needs to be long and strong. Use only one password per account never reuse your passwords. You might consider a password manager. So a password manager, the value of that is they give you a truly random long password and the passwords are encrypted. You can add a multi-factor authentication, which is just a second verification, one more thing besides your password. And when you pick security questions or answers to those security questions, you need to be the only one that knows the answer. So if it's your mother's maiden name, we've given that to all kinds of people. So just be careful. Okay. So a password manager, what exactly is that? Is that an app that you put on your phone or how does that work? Typically, you pay for that last pass, an example. So if you're going to buy one, you need to compare them and do your homework. What it is, is they have all types of software that manage your passwords, and some of the managers allow you to use it across your phone, your computer, whatever it happens to be. Typically, the way it works is once you have this, you create a one password. That's your master password. 
and everything else, you have to put the work in. So you go to each of your accounts and you have this manager give you a password and it is stored, encrypted. But you only have to remember one password and that's the master password. And of course, you need to make that really strong. That's a wonderful solution because you don't have to write down or remember all of these other passwords. You just have to remember the one and the others are safely stored with your password manager. It's a great idea. And multi-factor authentication, I'm assuming by that, that means not only your login, but maybe photo ID or fingerprint or something like that. So there's two methods of getting into your account, not just the one. The way that works is the company has to offer you that option. Typically, the most common two-factor is that it will notify you on your cell phone, or it'll email you a code that you type in, or they may even call you and give you the number and you have to type it in. Okay. So what if a scammer has access to your computer or your iPhone? And we've got many, many examples of scams where somebody has given remote access of their computer over to a scammer thinking the scammer is going to help them or refund money that is owed under some kind of phony pretext. What then? You've given access to the computer to a scammer. What do you do? This is always a major, major problem. Just so many things go wrong with all of this. So if you did give that scammer access, then I recommend that you immediately turn off your computer okay. and you physically take your computer into a local reputable computer fix-it place. And if you don't do that, at a minimum, you need to run scans on your computer to see what actions the scammer did. Did they download all your photos? And by the way, that's what they usually do. They also, scammers usually add viruses and malicious code on your computer so that they will have access to it all the time. So like I say, I recommend you turn it off immediately and physically take it in and have it analyzed and cleaned up. We've had so many people who have given remote access who have been scanned on the show. We had one just a couple of weeks ago. But is it always obvious that you're giving remote access? Well, the typical scam in the way people give remote access is the one that is called the tech scam. And they get a call or they get an email that says your warranty is up and pay X number of dollars, then we'll download the information for you. So you call them you email them. Typically, it's a phone call. And by the way, if you have clicked on pop-ups that have a virus in it, it may freeze your computer or it may look like you have a frozen computer. It may have noises, bells may go off, flashing colors. At that point, turn off your computer. Don't do anything. And and unplug it. Yes, totally shut it down. Now, it turns out that in that particular case, if it was from a pop-up, you might be able to open your computer and turn it on, and it might have gone away. So it might not be a problem. But if it is still a problem, then I certainly recommend that you take it to a reputable organization. I know it's beyond me to clean it up, but you may be smart enough to be able to do that. But the scammers, not only do they get your money for that scam, you give them the credit card number in advance and they charge that. They have that right away. Now you give them remote access and they can see everything that your camera has out there. And that's another thing. You might keep your camera covered up with a piece of post-it note or something like that, because that way, if somebody is looking at you or needs to be looking at you, like on a Zoom, they go, where are you? I don't see you. And you go, oh, 
let me take that post-it note off. But scammers can see their surroundings and they can see if there are children's photos on the wall. They just know a lot about you. And that's really scary because if they see your face, they can see if you're scared. They can see what you're about to do. If somebody is asking you to press something on your computer and you press this button or that button or this tab or that tab, is it always obvious to the victim that they are giving remote access? Oh, definitely not. The scammer oh, okay. really, really good. They are so organized. Right. They make it look like, you know, this is something and they're helping you. Okay. You can't see if they start moving your mouse around, your pointer. I've had a situation where I've been given remote access to people who help me clean up my computer or unlock it. Not scammers, actual real technicians. And you <laughs> can good. see that they are moving the pointer around. So you're not doing it, they're doing it. And they tell you, I'm in your computer now, here's what I'm doing. But a legitimate technician helping you that way will tell you each step of the way, this is what I'm doing, give me permission to do it. And you say, okay, and you can see it happening. But I'm sure that when a scammer gets in there, you don't quite know what they're doing. They hide their work, the nefarious work. Judy, what if the scammer gets control of your cell phone number and your cell phone account? So immediately contact your service provider and change your password. Okay. Now, we've talked about a lot of scams, Judy, and we've been over this before, but where should a victim report the scams that we have just talked about? Well, always report to the Federal Trade Commission. So FTC.gov will get you to where you report, which is called reportfraud.ftc. Just go to FTC.gov. Also, if it includes or has anything to do with the internet, use the FBI IC3.gov. That's the internet complaint that the FBI has put together. And um, it's always a good idea to contact local law enforcement because a lot of banks and other groups would like to see that police report. Sometimes the police are not going to do a lot for you, but you can ask that they make that report so that you can get a report number. Good advice. And we've said this many, many times before. And by giving the FTC and the FBI this information, it helps them build the data banks that they are going to need in order to put together a task force and find these scammers. So it's not a wasted effort. And the FBI is always encouraging me to tell our victims to report scams to them. So please do so. It, it does help. It may not help you immediately. It may help you down the line. It may not help you, but it may help other victims once they catch up with these fraudsters. So thank you once again, Judy. We really appreciate the information. We appreciate you taking the time. And if any of the audience wants more information on this, they can also go to ftc.gov and type in what to do if you are scammed because right. it has more information on that. And if you happen to be listening on the Scam Squad YouTube channel or on a podcast in the show notes, Judy was kind enough to type up the information that she shared today with the different contact information. So you might want to just print out that page and have it handy, stick it in a drawer. And if God forbid you do get scammed, you will know exactly what to do. In this day and age, one never knows. Absolutely. Thank you, Judy. Thank you. Vicki, did you say yes. you had good news? I do have some good news. I have a couple of pieces of good news, and one of them follows right along with what we have been talking about today, and that is getting money back. And here is the headline that caught my eye, because we just don't see this headline very often, as Judy pointed out to us. 
phone scam investigation results in forfeiture of nearly $3 million in cryptocurrency. So as Judy mentioned, you almost never get cryptocurrency back. But in this particular case, the scam involved fraudsters who pretended to be members of U.S. law enforcement agencies, and they spoofed the phone calls from these agencies so they looked legitimate. They told the victims that their identity had been compromised, and after gaining the victim's trust, told them that in order for their money to be safe, they needed to transfer money to these, quote, law enforcement agencies for safekeeping, and they would get their money back once the identity of the thieves were known. So the scammers, once they had the victim's money, they moved the money through various bank accounts and finally to a Bitcoin account. But somehow law enforcement got wind of what was going on and law enforcement investigators were actually able to trace the money and get it back from the Bitcoin account. And I have to say, this is the first time I have heard of that happening. It's amazing. And then the other article that caught my eye, this came from Department of Justice, United States Department of Justice. And it's a news bulletin about a Florida man who was sentenced to 133 months, and that would be 11 years in prison for his part in a telemarketing scheme that originated in Costa Rica and defrauded more than 400 victims, many of them older Americans, out of millions of dollars. And this was the sweepstakes scam, which we know can be just devastating for these victims. And they get caught up in it and they lose their life savings. So the scammers, once again, were posing as agents of the United States government, telling the victims that they'd won a big prize. But of course, in order to get their prize, they had to pay some upfront fees and taxes and so forth. And the scammer they caught was a money mule here in the United States who was funneling money from U.S. victims to Costa Rica. But For us, the important part of this article was a quote, and this is from the Department of Justice, and here's what they said. The best method, the best method for prevention with these scams is by sharing information about the various types of elder fraud schemes with relatives, friends, neighbors, and other seniors who can use that information to protect themselves. So, Patty, that is exactly what we are doing on our show. It sure is. We're trying to get the word out there. And and according to the Department of Justice, this is the best way to stop these scams. That's good news. And I know a lot of people tell you that they would have fallen for a particular scam if it wasn't for the warnings we've been delivering. Absolutely. Yeah. So thank thank you. you. All right. Thank you, Vicki. Thank you, Judy. I think we gave a lot of information today. We did. Okay. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye. Thank you.